It's Tuesday, December 4th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. 90 days. President Trump and President Xi Jinping have agreed to a temporary freeze to the ongoing trade war after a meeting at the G20 summit over the weekend. The U.S. will not increase tariffs that were set to begin on January 1, and China has agreed to buy up agricultural, energy, and industrial products from the U.S. Sabrina Rodriguez, trade reporter for Politico, joins us for how this sets up some intense negotiations and some gains in the stock market. Next, it has happened again in the NFL. A player got caught abusing a woman, but nothing happened until after TMZ released a video of the incident. Kareem Hunt, running back for the Kansas City Chiefs, has apologized for his actions and has been cut from the team. But now, serious questions have been raised about the investigation that the NFL has done in this case. Dan Beyer, managing editor for Fox Sports Radio, joins us to break down the latest NFL controversy. Finally, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, December and January are the two most common months for companies to lay off workers. General Motors just announced that they will lay off workers and close some plants early next year. So what do you do if you get this bad news? My producer Miranda joins us for some warning signs to look out for and a huge tip. Don't use that credit card. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. This is the first time there was a commitment from China that the agreement will include specific dates, specific targets, specific action items. This is not going to be just kicking the can down the road. The issues cover everything from purchasing more goods, which we've always talked about, but more importantly, protecting intellectual property. Joining us now is Sabrina Rodriguez, trade reporter for Politico. So over the weekend at the G20 summit in Buenos Aires, President Donald Trump and President Xi Jinping from China agreed to a ceasefire of trade tariffs that have been going on. They agreed to freeze the trade war for about 90 days so that they can continue to negotiate and hopefully get over this. What do we know about the deal that they made? The deal is definitely a lot more progress than was expected. Um, It's been a highly anticipated dinner that they would be having on the sidelines of the G20. And ultimately, they agreed that in these 90 days, they will not raise the tariffs that they have against each other. The U.S. was planning to raise the tariffs that they have on $200 billion of Chinese goods up to 25%. So they're going to hold off on that for 90 days to see how the talks go. And in the meanwhile, China also agreed that it's going to buy a substantially larger amount of U.S. agricultural goods, which is great for Trump, given his focus on his base of farmers and manufacturers. And they've been hit particularly hard by this. Uh, Soybeans in particular is a big one that they're really hoping they start buying up immediately. That's very important to him and to his supporters. What happens next with the negotiation, though? I mean, there's a lot of skepticism saying that China is not going to act in good faith to actually come to some good terms. The market's open, surging much higher than was expected. Some people looking at the situation, analysts have said, you know, it shouldn't have surged as much given that there's so much left to be resolved. And really, this was just a quick fix, a small version of a truce, because there are still tariffs. There's tariffs in place on over $250 billion of products. But I mean, the next phase is the U.S. has 142 demands that it wants China to address. And a lot of those are huge structural changes that would be required in China that definitely won't be done in 90 days. Yeah, one of the big ones is the stealing of American intellectual property. And I know that's been a huge point for the president. We do lose billions of dollars because of this. I mean, I think that's going to be one of the more difficult things for China to act on. 
China has seen that this is a big focus for the U.S. I mean, Trump calls the IP in the U.S. and technology here the crown jewels of the United States. But he's definitely tasked the team. He announced that the top negotiator um, on the U.S. side was going to be the trade representative, Robert Lighthizer. And he's a big hardliner on China. So a lot of people are saying, well, he's definitely tasked the best person in the administration to do it. Larry Kudlow has said that things will start happening very quickly. Is there a timeline when China will start buying stuff back from us? They haven't announced it yet, so it could be in a matter of weeks, in a matter of days. The biggest thing we know right now is Secretary Steven Mnuchin said yesterday in an interview with The New York Times that it would be a substantially larger amount than $70 billion, but he didn't break down exactly when this would happen or how they would phase that in. Let's talk about the big picture and the impacts that this could have. The president has always positioned himself as a deal maker, a, a negotiator, and this stuff needs to get done. I mean, Obviously, it's hurting China's economy, but it's also hurting ours a little bit, all these this trade war stuff. And, you know, he really needs to cut a deal. It needs it's important for the future of his presidency. I, I think somebody had said something about like the three M's. It was Mueller, midterms and markets. And, you know, it's just kind of a delicate balance with all this. And it's really important that he gets this stuff done. People that are focused on the China situation and have been looking at this for years are a little bit concerned that Trump will settle with just having China make a big buy and having them come and say, okay, well, we'll reduce the trade deficit, which is something, a number he's very fixated on. And that would obviously be a small fix and not actually address the structural issues. So the 90 days will be very telling and seeing if China agrees to start making changes that, yes, won't happen in 90 days, but could actually down the line address the issues at the heart of it and not just be some kind of large purchase. Well, it's time for that hard deal making. We'll see what happens. Sabrina Rodriguez, trade reporter for Politico. Thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. You kicking a woman while she was on the ground. How do you explain that? You can't really explain it. Uh, the video shows that I was in the wrong and I'm not that type of person. I, I'm really disappointed and embarrassed for myself and for my family and I really am taking actions to learn from this. Joining us now is Dan Beyer, Fox Sports Radio Managing Editor, co-host of Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Football Fantasy. We're going to be talking about Kareem Hunt, the Kansas City Chiefs, and also the NFL. It seems that it has happened once again. Video surfaced of a player hitting a woman. In this case, Kareem Hunt kicked a woman. This happened months ago. It wasn't until TMZ released video of this altercation happening and now Kareem Hunt is out of a job. Take us back to the beginning. What happened with this whole situation? This all started back in February. It was when the incident occurred at his residence in Cleveland. There was a known incident because police were called. There were no charges filed against Kareem Hunt. There were no arrests made. But there was a police report. There was body cam footage. So something apparently happened at that time. The Chiefs were aware of it. And they were also aware of an incident that happened in June involving Hunt an alleged incident where he allegedly punched a man at an amusement park yeah. or a theme park. So these incidents were news in the off season. And so when the Chiefs ended up having training camp in late July and early August, they were addressed at that time. And there was no penalty by the National Football League or by the Chiefs for Hunt for these two incidents. But the NFL did look into the matter and the Chiefs were reportedly told by the NFL that they were going to be the ones to handle it so the Chiefs wouldn't have to do any investigating on their 
their part. That's where things stood pretty much for the last three or four months. Now, when this video came out last Friday, it was when everything ended up coming out, and it was almost like the scab was pulled back off, and now everything <laughs> right. was, was fair game on what actually happened almost nine, ten months ago. Well, it's hard to sweep things under the rug. It's hard to deny things when video like that surfaces. Obviously, there's callbacks to the whole Ray Rice situation, and same thing. TMZ got their hands on the video where the NFL and their investigators could not get their hands on these videos. What has the NFL said about that specifically? They had said that they could not get the video, and that's kind of been the, this has been the debate in our world of sports talk radio of, well, if TMZ can get it, how can right. the NFL not get it? And that's a very good question, and I think that the NFL is wondering as well. The NFL has come under some heat as well because Kareem Hunt was not interviewed. The alleged victim was not interviewed. From my understanding, the alleged victim has been difficult to get a hold of or hasn't been willing to go ahead or be forthcoming with what happened. So whether that's true or not, that's the reports that, that we're getting. And, th and that's but tough right there because part of their protocol is to interview the victim, then interview the player. And, and that's fine. And I get that. But if it's difficult to get in touch with the victim, I mean, you still have to do your due diligence and see what else you can figure out. And that includes speaking to the player. This is where maybe some of it came through was the Kansas City Chiefs did speak with their player. And maybe the NFL took that information as them speaking with it. And maybe investigators didn't follow up. But when the Chiefs ended up releasing Kareem Hunt on Friday, in the statement, it wasn't that we now understand that Kareem was physical with another woman during that incident. It was that Kareem Hunt lied. Right. And I'm not saying that the, that the Chiefs are pushing that part under the rug. I think is interesting, though, is that the Chiefs are saying this is what we thought happened. And now this is what we know happened. Fault them or not, that's what they thought happened. And the NFL, I guess, just took their word for it and decided to move on and not interview him anymore. So that's where I think maybe a bit of the, I don't know if it's confusion, Oscar, I don't know if that's the right word. It doesn't take any of the fault away from the NFL of maybe not doing more of their due diligence, but that at least gives us a little path of seeing like why certain people weren't spoken to, specifically the former Chiefs running back. Robert Mueller, who is investigating the president for Russian collusion, all that, he actually wrote the report of the NFL's investigation into the Ray Rice assault. And in that, he even said, our investigation identified a number of investigative steps that the league did not take to acquire additional information. And it just seems it's like the same thing here. I mean, they revamped the whole process after that. They made a whole unit dedicated to investigations. And, you know, they work with law enforcement, former law enforcement, investigators, things like that. And as we were talking about, it's just hard to imagine that maybe they couldn't get their hands on the video. But descriptions of the video and know kind of what happened and how it took place. Yeah, some people, I think, feel fooled by the National Football League. And part of the reason is, as well, as the NFL came out with a domestic violence policy where a minimum six-game or a six-game suspension would be handed down to anybody who violates this policy. That's what now, we saw with you, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, exactly. He served a six-game suspension following what, what he went through. The thing that I think makes people mad or disappointed is that you trotted out a policy yet you aren't following protocol to enforce your policy. It's almost a smoke and mirrors thing. It's like, look at what we're doing over here. We're just not going to investigate right. to our fullest capabilities. Now, I will say this, and, and, and not to sit on the fence and be one side or the other, does the NFL need to be in the full investigation business? And that's another separate question that we've found out that maybe police reports and video footage that is released maybe isn't enough. Maybe the NFL has to go further with how they end up developing and investigate some of these incidents involving their players when they know about those incidents. 
Patriots. How did the Chiefs and the NFL play this for the rest of the season? Because the NFL had been rebounding with better ratings this year. The games seemed to have been very exciting this year, and especially that Rams-Chief game where Hunt was a big part of like, the highest scoring Monday night football game ever. Mm-hmm. Like, things have been going pretty well for them. So what do they do now? I will say this. I think everything that you said is a reason why Kareem Hunt was let go. It's difficult to let go of a guy who, by the way, is one of the better running backs in the National Football League and is young in his career and also doesn't make a lot of money. And those were three things that were actually going against Ray Rice, which made it a lot easier for the Baltimore Ravens to end up letting him go three years ago because he was an older back. He would make more money than a rookie would, and maybe his play was declining. His play was declining at that time. Made it a little bit easier to move on from... Kareem Hunt. With all of that, everything going on, I think that's what the the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL said, like, all right, maybe things are going good. You're going to have to take this drastic step. If that wasn't the case, I'm not sure if maybe he left. He could have been on leave from Kansas City and stayed within the organization, but they wanted to send a message, and maybe the NFL did as well, to try to keep this off the radar, to keep this at bay because things are getting better for the National Football League. Dan Beyer, managing editor for Fox Sports Radio. You can catch him as the co-host of Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Football Fantasy. Thanks very much for joining us. Appreciate it, Oscar. Good to talk to you. Figure out your bare bones basics. What do you need to survive? Your rent, your food, your gas, all that as your basic income. Don't put anything on credit cards if you don't have to. Avoid, avoid, avoid spending on your credit cards. You're just going to rack up debt that if you don't find a job, then you're no money and you owe money. Joining me now is my producer, Miranda. We've been talking a lot about jobs on the podcast. The job market is super tight right now. There's more jobs than there are people actually looking for jobs. So it is a great time. We've talked about businesses are just hiring people sight unseen after like a phone conversation. And it's like, we need people now you're in. But the same thing that happens every year can still potentially happen this year. Companies are constantly laying people off. The statistics from the Labor Department say that December and January are the two most common months for companies to lay off workers. And it's evidence as what's going on right now with General Motors. They announced they're going to lay off more than 14,000 people. Some of the plants are going to be closing March 1st, 2019. So there's a lot of people that are going to be laid off pretty soon. So what do we do? What are some of the warning signs that might be there that you might be getting laid off? One of the main indicators that you're about to be either laid off or fired is isolation. If your boss starts leaving you out of meetings or doesn't ask for your input in areas in which you specialize, they may be in the process of getting rid of you. And then another thing is look at your assignments. If your boss stops giving you long-term projects and starts giving you jobs or things that can be done in a couple of days or a couple of weeks instead of months long or a year out, I'd start brushing up on my resume. Yeah, that's the important one, especially if it doesn't really coincide with the way your workflow goes right now. You know, in radio, it's kind of a different thing because little news or no news is kind of good news for in this industry meaning you're doing an okay job, so nothing to course correct at that moment. But then, the you know, when things happen, they happen like really fast. Immediately. They, out of nowhere, seemingly. So mm-hmm. that's kind of an interesting way to go. There's actually a name for it. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, where you basically, you know, the people that are going to be fired and things like that are kind of unaware of their own shortcomings. Well, don't you think that that's kind of obvious, though? Because if you are aware of your shortcomings, then they probably wouldn't be shortcomings for very long. Right, you'd fix them or something. Immedi- yeah, as yeah. quickly as possible. Yeah, it's basically, I'm doing great, great. (laughs) even though your work sucks, you know. So yeah, those are things to be 
aware of. Obviously, they always say save money. That's hard to do closer to the holidays because you're spending money, buying presents, doing all sorts of stuff. But uh, what do we know about how you should be saving money? So they said to do something and create yourself a lean lifestyle budget, meaning figure out your bare bones basics. What do you need to survive? Your rent, your food, your gas, all that as your basic income. And then from there, you need to be saving 10% of your income into your retirement account. The financial planner also advises putting 5% into account reserved for financial dilemma, like some kind of rainy day unemployment fund, essentially, so that you can have ultimately a three to six months income ratio. And then once you get that pot going, your 5% can be allocated towards other things like investments or buying a new car or whatever it is you may need. Making a list of your expenses is super important. And I did that when I first moved out. I was like, these are the things that we want and need to keep. Everything else can kind of go because I wanted to pay off all my debt and everything go before moving out because you make new debt. So it was kind of like cut cable and keep Netflix or keep Netflix and cut cable. <laughs> you know, little things <laughs> like that. I still need my TV. Sure. And then uh, so after that, what do we do if you actually do get laid? So they say that 71% of Americans don't have that reserve equal to your six months of income. So if you do have that, then that's great. But if you don't, here are things that you can do. Ideally, you'll get a severance package from your company once you get laid off. And if you do, don't spend all of that, like try to really, really, really lean out like your ultra lean budget <laughs> and don't put anything on credit cards if you don't have to. Right. Avoid, avoid, avoid spending on your credit cards. You're just going to rack up debt that if you don't find a job, then you're no money and you owe money. Don't accrue credit. Don't use your 401k unless you absolutely need to. I mean, those are all tough things. I mean, sign up for unemployment benefits, obviously, if you can. Obviously, the hunt for the next job. A lot of people say brush up on your social media skills. You got to get into the new working environment, you know, especially like, let's say, these General Motors employees who've been working at the at these plants for 20 years or something. Right. And you're a grandma now and you're working just, to, you know, because you've been there for so long. You and probably now, don't even have a LinkedIn. Yeah, exactly. Now you need to get up to speed with all that other stuff. Miranda, you kind of went through this yeah. last year. And you did all the wrong things. You, <laughs> you relied heavily on the credit cards. Absolutely. So when I got laid off, I had just had a baby and I wasn't anticipating a show I was working on ending. It wasn't supposed to end until July. And guess what? It ended in January. Luckily, I'd been working for this company for a very long time. I had a generous severance package, but ultimately it wasn't enough. I was in the middle of planning a wedding. So wow. all my severance money went to planning the wedding so that I wouldn't default on any contracts. And then my everyday spending went to credit cards. And I'm telling you, Oscar, I'm still working on that debt and paying it off like over a yeah, year later. That's tough. The debt problem just bites you back even more because then your credit score goes down. And then, you know, when you need it later, it's not helping you out there. So it's pretty bad. So that I mean, a key among them, I think, is try as much as you can to not use those credit cards. Yeah, that's the biggest takeaway is don't use the credit cards. Well, good luck to everybody. Plan for these things. It's going to come at the most inopportune time. That's just the way it is. So uh, good luck out there. Thanks, Miranda. Thanks, Oscar. All right, that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, 
and this was your daily dive.